Please enjoy this special holiday encore performance and stay tuned for all new episodes in 2020. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Hemp Barons. I'm Dan Humiston, and today Joy's guest is a first mover and really at the forefront of hemp seed and hemp oil and hemp flour, which is, I didn't realize, is completely different than hemp flour and hemp extract oil. Before I make this any more confusing, let's join Joy's conversation with Matt Burkholz from Colorado Hemp Works. Matt, thank you so much for being with us on Hemp Barons today. Of course. Thank you, Joy. Thanks thanks for having me. And I want the listeners to know that unlike most of the interviews we do here, I actually have a stake in Colorado Hemp Works, and, and there's a reason for that. I've got opportunities all over after being in hemp for 30 years um, to have sort of stakes in various emerging and promising companies, but I choose very wisely, and I, I certainly chose Colorado Hemp Works um, for a great reason that it's such a pleasure to be interviewing you today. Colorado Hemp Works is the first post-prohibition hemp grain processing facility in the United States based in Longmont, Colorado. Matt, what, decide, what made you decide to get into hemp grain or the oil seed, as we like to say, aspects of this versatile and valuable plant, as opposed to extracts or fiber? Well, I've been a huge fan of of cannabis and and hemp, and I think you know I had a small advantage just understanding, you know, early on. I mean, late '90s uh, when I was in school writing papers about sustainability and, and touching on hemp and, and understanding that it's something different than marijuana and that it has its own uh, potential and, and future. And then living in Colorado, which was the first state to allow production of hemp, and, and and beyond that, living in Boulder, Colorado, which is a mecca for natural food and, and healthy lifestyle, it just seemed like a natural fit when I wanted to find some opportunity in hemp uh, when it became legal here. And I had this advantage of, of just being in the right place at the right time and being in Colorado, allowing the production but also being in, in an area that is very focused on diet and, and specific diets and um, people that are very aware of, of what they're putting into their body and understanding that hemp grain is incredibly nutritious and it has no known allergens. So it can fit into literally anybody's diet and provide a really clean source of plant-based protein uh, as well as omegas and, and fiber and others. Uh, so that, kind of intersection is is what I saw and and I didn't see anybody else doing it. And I'm definitely a fan of of CBD and and all of the benefits, but especially in 2014 when I was doing this research and looking for my opportunity, I personally didn't want to get involved in CBD just because of the risk. And I know the landscape has changed significantly since 2014, but when I was assessing different opportunities or different directions to go, I was scared off uh, by the regulation and the fact that a lot of the risk around CBD was out of my hands, and it was up to regulations and government. And it's it's turned out to, to be a great thing for the people that have gotten into CBD, and, and I'm very happy for all of those folks. But, but for me at that point, 
uh, at that current landscape, uh, the food seemed less risky and and, and less uh, saturated, I guess. So that, that that's why I, I chose to get involved on the food side, even, even though I appreciate the whole plant. No, of course, of course, and 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 also such a, such a different regulatory landscape and such a tremendous contribution to human and animal health. And we'll we'll talk about you know AFCO and the FDA not having approved hemp seed yet for any animal species, but uh, and such a contribution really to the planet when we look at, of course, the environmental cost of the meat industry. Um, and let's for a second, it's such a great foundation to work with. You, you touched upon the nutritional, the unique, dense nutritional value of the hemp seed. I often describe it, and I know you've heard me say this before, Matt, as the superfood that needs an actual super cape, a hemp cape. Um, we're talking about the most di- <laughs> the most digestible form of protein, the highest digestible form of protein in the entire plant and animal kingdom. So more digestible protein than beef, chicken, whey, mm-hmm. soy. And this is, of course, because there aren't any trypsin inhibitors in hemp. Trypsin inhibitors are properties that prevent our bodies from absorbing protein, and they're just not present in hemp, as well as, of course, a full um, amino acid profile, maybe just a little mm-hmm. less than we need for lysine, but we can get that easily in other plants. And then as you touched upon the omegas, it's the perfect ratio, of course, of these polyunsaturated essential fatty acids. The word essential is there in EFAs, essential fatty acids, because our bodies don't produce these these omegas, these EFAs, we have to get them from our food supply. And there's the perfect ratio of omegas, threes and sixes um, in hemp, including, of course, those those which are these long chain polyunsaturated uh, fatty acids, GLA, which is gamma linoleic acid and SDA, steridonic acid. And finally, and we could go on and on, you and I could do a show mm-hmm. on just the nutritional value of the hemp seed between minerals and folic acid and all of that and soluble dietary fiber. But it also, I recently discovered along with only one other seed or nut on the planet, and that's the raw pumpkin seed. So the hemp mm-hmm. seed and the raw pumpkin seed are the only two seeds and nuts on the planet that actually leave an alkaline ash in the bloodstream, promoting a pH balance in the body, which is just absolutely phenomenal um, to me. And, and when we talk about those regulatory barriers up until the last, in the last five years, I've been teaching uh, credit bearing continuing legal education seminars across the country on various law and policy of hemp, but one of those has been called the curious legal status of CBD and hemp-derived cannabinoids. And that's why, of course, it's been very curious. It's not so curious anymore. I've had to retitle those um, seminars, but we're in a different area now. And that brings me to, before we talk about the many offerings and what Colorado Hemp Works does and, and who our customers are, There, of course, has been yet another huge seismic shift in cannabis policy with the passage of the 2018 Farm Bill. And could you talk to the listeners a little bit about how um, that has transformed the hemp grain industry, this this new this bill that was enacted on January 1st of this year federally? Absolutely. So a lot of positive things came out of that Farm Bill, but I think the biggest advantage for the hemp grain and, and hemp food, you know, the U.S.-based hemp food industry is allowing different states 
to work with each other. You know, me being in Colorado and, and, you know, before that farm bill, there was no legal way to transport grain uh, from other states into our state. And in Colorado specifically, there was a huge surge in uh, recreational and, and medical marijuana grows as well as uh, CBD grows. So there has been this gold rush in, in a state that at one point was the only state and then, you know, one of just a handful of states that could produce uh, CBD, which really drove up the price of land and, and the price of farming, the price of warehouse space. So we were sitting here with a fully functioning food manufacturing plant and there was a very scarce supply of grain. And now that we can transport, you know, we, we can uh, federally legal to uh, interstate commerce for us to transport grain from other states where it makes more sense to produce hemp grain at a large scale, such as Montana or Minnesota, North Dakota, um, you know, Iowa, Kansas, or, you know, they're coming online. Uh, so that, that farm bill opened the door for us to connect with these farmers, these big grain farmers in other states. And at the same time that we were sitting here with a functional uh, processing facility and limited supply of grain, there were farmers in these other grain states under their own pilot programs who had produced large amounts of grain and had no buyers, and they were in a similar situation. They weren't able to export it uh, to other states. So that farm bill allowed us to connect. Um, and, you know, like puzzle pieces. So, you know, the, the interstate commerce and the allowance of cooperation between states is, is really the biggest benefit that, that we've seen so far from that farm bill. Which is just fantastic. And as you may know, on May 28th, the, U, the Office of the General Counsel of the USDA put forth an extensive legal opinion um, from the USDA's perspective as to the impact of the Farm Bill. It was fascinating. It was all in our favor. And it not only says that under the 2018 Farm Bill, states and tribes may not prohibit the interstate transport of hemp. He actually also analyzed this ability and this prohibition under the 2014 Farm Bill and declared in that legal opinion that it is also underneath the 2014 Farm Bill that neither states nor tribes may prohibit the interstate transport of hemp. And as you know, during this growing season, and in fact, until the USDA files its cultivation regulations with the Federal Register, which we don't expect the final version of that to happen until the end of this year, after the public comment period begins in April, um, everything is still running under the 2014 Farm Bill. And the basis for the general counsel's legal opinion there is some language that exists in the 2018 Farm Bill in a certain section that says, as long as the hemp is grown in accordance with a certain section and of, of the Agricultural Marketing Act, and other federal laws. And so the USDA says right there, explains it very clearly, we are interpreting other federal laws to be the 2014 Farm Bill. And we therefore state that, that uh, neither tribes nor states may prohibit the interstate transport of hemp, even under the 2014 Farm Bill, which I, I do just find fascinating. And let's talk for a second, mm -hmm. some basic education. You know, after you've been in hemp for so many years, and of course, most of us got into hemp for oil, seed, and fiber all those years ago. And this idea of hemp extract or CBD extracted from hemp 
sort of tame it as like a side blinding ton of bricks about five years ago. So I want folks to understand that even though folks may use the term CBD oil or hemp oil, when they're talking about CBD extracts, the reality is that we, we're trying to educate, and it's a shared responsibility, all of us here, that we called hemp an oil seed and fiber crop, meaning we press oil from the seed of the plant, which mm -hmm. we also refer to as grain, right? So it can get confusing for mm -hmm. folks. We're calling it an oil seed crop. We're calling it a grain crop. That's different than CBD oil, which is extracted mm -hmm. from the flowering tops and the leaves of the plant. So extracts come from the flowering tops and the leaves and CBD is an extract and that's where hemp extract comes from versus hemp oil or hemp seed oil, but we've created the term hemp oil decades ago and that is oil pressed from the seed, very not a source of cannabinoids at all and very rich mm -hmm. of course in omegas, threes and sixes. Will you tell us what products Colorado Hemp Works processes and distributes? Sure, of course. Yeah, no, and, and I think that's a good point. There is a lot of natural confusion around uh, two areas, and, and, and you just very eloquently pointed out the, the two different oils, the, the extract oil from the flower and green material, and then um, the expelled or cold-pressed oil coming strictly from the seed. So that is one of our products. Yeah. Hemp seed oil is, is a product that we produce. And we sell that to some different natural food companies that will use that as an ingredient in a product that they make. But the biggest segment uh, of our hemp seed oil goes to CBD companies to make it even a little more confusing. But uh, the CBD companies use hemp seed oil as a carrier fat for CBD in a lot of their products, uh, you know, especially tinctures, but uh, some, some of the edible products as well. So hemp seed oil is one of our products. Uh, hemp hearts is another one of our products, and that's uh, the hemp nut or, or a de-shelled uh, hemp seed. So we're removing the shell and then uh, isolating the nut, packaging that, and wholesale supplying different natural food companies that, again, use that um, in, in their food products. And those hemp hearts uh, have the oil. That's where the oil is contained, and also that's where the protein is. So it's a high-protein, high-omega, uh, really, really clean uh, healthy fat and, and really clean, healthy protein in the hemp parts. Uh, and then the third product that we sell, we, we create some protein powders. Uh, and it's um, a co-product that comes out of the oil press. And once we expel the oil, everything else uh, that's left is referred to as a seed cake or a seed meal. And that's not unique to hemp. That's, that's similar to soy meal or, or canola meal or, or any other uh, seed that, that's pressed for oil. And it's a dry, uh, it's a dry product and it's very high in protein because, uh, you've taken a seed that's about 30% uh, or more protein and 30% oil and then you remove the oil and you further distill that protein down in the resultant cake. Uh, so that's naturally around 40% protein and we mill that seed cake down into fine powders and, and sell that as, as a protein powder that again, natural food companies, uh, purchase and, and work into as an ingredient in, into their products. So you had touched on uh, kind of the confusion around hemp seed oil and then hemp extract oil, or, or sometimes just called hemp oil, which is the, the cannabinoid extract. Another area of confusion that I think we need to work out in, um, is the word flour. Um, a lot of the powders that are produced from that seed cake 
uh, have been referred to uh, for decades now as hemp flour and F-L-O-U-R. And I think that's confusing, number one, because it doesn't make for a good baking substitute. It it doesn't rise uh, like a traditional flour. So, you know, you you can't substitute, um, you know, wheat flour or rice flour or some other flour that's uh, specifically used for cooking. But it's also confusing with uh, hemp flour, F-L-O-W-E-R, what's being used for plant extract. Uh, So, You've got uh, two flowers and you've got two oils coming from uh, hemp right now. And um, <laughs> I think that's a little bit, li- little confusing. And, and you know, we can do a little bit of work to help clear that up. And every challenge being an opportunity and cannabis in all of its form being, in all of its forms being here to teach us things, how to work with each other, how to synthesize with each other, how to be good farmers, how to be good neighbors, how to get along, how to treat our bodies better, how to treat our animals better. And I think this very confusion, this nomenclature, another great benefit, an opportunity that is presented to us is we're going to have to learn about agriculture. We're going to have to get back to our roots. And that is just another huge, revolutionary, epic, critical lesson that humanity, particularly Americans in this Western civilization, need to be retaught is our, our, we do not get our food from a boxed foil package mm-hmm. in the freezer section of the right. grocery store. We get it from farmers. And we need to figure mm-hmm. out flour, F-L-O-U-R, versus flour, F-L-O-W-E-R. And we need to figure out what an extract oil verse is versus a versus an oil press from the seed. And hemp is here to teach all of that to us. And it's it's just so uh fascinating and and really fantastic. Now, who are our customers? I know And by the way, also, just thank you for explaining that the protein powder is, in fact, a co-product from the hemp seed oil industry. In fact, I used to think about 20 years ago that that to get a hemp protein, you'd take that seed uh, and you would grind it up and then you'd get your protein powder. But in fact, you'd get a nut butter if you did that. The Mm -hmm. protein powder is is the co-product. From, from the seed cake, right? It is milled after the oil is pressed out of it. The seed cake is what's left over, and that is milled um, into, mm-hmm. into the protein powders, um, which I just think is so great. So our customers, uh, who are our customers for uh, the hulled seeds and the protein powders, generally speaking? Those are almost exclusively all natural food companies. That, that produce some type of product and, and use hemp as one of the ingredients. Uh, I think one of the most visible customers that, that we have, uh, are two of them really. I was, I was going to mention Nativa, um, but also, uh, Evo Hemp, who's here in Colorado. Uh, Nativa sells hemp hearts by the bag, not necessarily, um, you know, used as an ingredient to produce a different product. They, they actually sell raw hemp hearts in a bag for consumers to take and put into smoothies or put on the salad, oatmeal, uh, add it into their own food uh, on their own. But Evo Hemp, I think, is a really interesting company that's been around uh, for a while. Uh, they, they've been at it for quite a while uh, relative to, to the laws and legality and public acceptance and those types of things. But they make um, different bars that, that are high in protein, and, and they use... Um, deshelled hemp seed in, in a lot of those. They also use uh, powder in a lot of those. 
And the powder is, is usually uh, a really efficient way for a company to increase the protein content in any product. Uh, so I know that they're using the powder um, to really achieve higher protein levels. Uh, you know, another company, another example, Good Seed Burger uh, out of Austin, Texas. Um, they have products. They've got a, a burger patty that they started making with a food truck and really gained popularity and, and grew. And, and now they have uh, frozen uh, patties that are available at Whole Foods and uh, some Safeways. So um, a pretty wide range of, of different products that are made from it. But usually what they have in common uh, is their interest in, in high protein, uh, a vegan or, or plant-based ingredients. And, you know, especially uh, I bring up Good Seed. Good Seed is, is an excellent example of a product that is uh, hypoallergenic. So they really cater to all kinds of uh, special diets and whether it's, it's grain-free, um, gluten-free, you know, uh, obviously meat-free vegan products. Uh, so yeah, usually vegetarian, vegan, but not exclusively. And, and we really cater to uh, different natural food companies that are looking to produce hypoallergenic foods. And, and then on, on, on the oil side, uh, yeah, sorry, sorry. I, I mentioned okay. it a minute ago, but no, no. Um, for, the, for, the, for the hemp seed oil, our biggest customers are our CBD companies. And, and they are really putting the hemp seed oil uh, market on its, on its head right now because of the demand is, is unprecedented and, and they're really pushing uh, for high volumes. Wow, that is just so that is so great to hear. And and the march for a healthier vegetarian and in this case vegan um, uh, source of protein that is gluten free, that is fast growing, that is easier on the soil, that will in fact help rebuild the soil. The march really is on. And and Canada has, of course, made itself currently the number one world leader in hemp bulk food ingredients um, and, and bulk food process. And I, and I hope that we're catching up. Now, I know that um, you have some wonderful relationships, Colorado Hemp Works and, and myself even, some really great relationships with uh, our neighbors to the north who we have a wonderful symbiotic and cooperative relationship with. Can you talk to us a little bit about how we work with Canada and maybe even how the shift is happening from Canadian sources of seed to America as these legal barriers um, in the United States for cultivation ha are being removed? Certainly. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And we have, in 2017, we imported about $140 million worth of hemp food products from Canada. And it's been... Kind of ridiculous that we have uh, a growing market here for hemp food products, but we haven't been able to produce it. So all of that has been brought in from Canada, but now the struggling U.S. grain farmer is, is able to produce hemp again. So we'll, we'll see how that takes effect. But as far as how we work with Canadian counterparts, it has been cooperative uh, to this point, and I think that's due to the fact that the hemp grain market is, is so small. The U.S. Uh, household penetration for hemp foods is lower than 1%. So there's so much room for growth. And, you know, I think that, that it's, a, it, it's, it's an issue of, you know, where the rising tide lifts all boats. And, and so it's not about U.S. processors and producers against Canadian processors and producers. And there's this finite pie that we all are just fighting over our little sliver. 
it's about growing the pie. You know, it's about making the market bigger, and, and we can do that together by cooperating with genetics, by cooperating with information and, and techniques, but also committing to each other that we're only going to put out high-quality products because as the other 99% of U.S. households begin to try hemp foods, we want them to have a good experience. So whether it has our label on it, whether it has Manitoba Harvest label or Nativa's label or some other label on it, it doesn't matter. The important thing is that people start to have positive experiences. They have high-quality foods. They walk away wanting more. They have conversations with their friends and neighbors, and they're positive results. And, uh, and, you know, so, so it's really about growing that market as opposed to fighting over uh, the market that exists today. So fantastic. And, and in fact, that's a, such a great segue, too, to the fact that a little lesson I wanted to make sure folks know is we call that shell around the, around the hemp heart or the hemp nut, as it's sometimes called, that creamy, white-looking, nutty-flavored hemp heart. We call that shell the hull. And we use the term hulled whether we mean it has a, if the hulls have been removed, we call them hulled seeds, or sometimes people call them de-hulled seeds. But I just wanted folks to know, of course, that the word hull actually means the shell of the hemp mm-hmm. seed. And most hemp hearts that are sold uh, don't have those hulls on them. And, and also um, that folks understand that generally speaking, and everything is sort of general because it depends on the variety and the size of the seed and all of that, but generally speaking, three tablespoons of hulled hemp seeds, meaning the shells are taken off, will give you around 10 grams of digestible protein right there in those three tablespoons, which can so easily be added to yogurt, salad, stir fry, French toast, pasta, uh, Mm -hmm. ice cream, throw it in your smoothies. We try not to, of course, heat it, we, with that beautiful nutritional profile, once we start to get over 124 degrees Fahrenheit or so, we, we do start to damage that nutritional profile. But man, if you want to add 10 grams of protein to everything, throw three tablespoons of, of hulled hemp seeds on there. Now, let me ask you this. What kind of a farmer with, with obviously the difference in per acre revenue generation, and there's different risks selling, growing, and cultivating hemp for extracts versus growing and cultivating hemp for uh, grain and nutrition. Um, But what kind of a farmer are you seeing in the United States choosing to grow for grain as opposed to fiber or hemp extract? You know, it's it's a great question. And and right now, there's there's no doubt and it's no secret that there's more money to be made producing CBD. And it, it is a bit of a gold rush. But it's also very new, and, and the reason that the CBD farmer is, is making so much right now, and I'm ecstatic for them, is is because there's been a spike in demand and a limited amount of states that have been able to produce. And beyond that, it's been difficult to produce. There isn't equipment uh, off the shelf that's going to work with, um, you know, hemp, CBD hemp. So. A lot of guys have been out there manually planting, manually planting clones. I mean, you know, teams of 50 going out in fields and harvesting by hand and, uh, you know, handling it all. It's very high touch. And, you know, so that's changing for sure. Additional states are allowing uh, the production. You know, current producers are getting bigger and all of them are getting better. And, And there's more automation. 
So I think that that market is, is, is going to start to level out a little bit. Um, and people ask often if, you know, we're competing with these same farmers and, and why would a farmer want to produce grain when they can produce CBD? And it's a good question, but really, you know, they're very different crops in, and they don't use the same equipment. They don't use the same genetics. They don't use the same planting techniques. So when you think about who's going to grow hemp for grain, uh, you know, it's, it's not the CBD farmer. It's, it's a corn farmer. It's a wheat farmer. It's somebody that's already producing big grain. They've got big acreage. They've got big, uh, you know, grain bins and harvesters and all of the equipment that they've had and built up for generations and it's geared toward big grain production. Uh, hemp is an excellent rotational crop. So if we're working with some giant wheat farmers in Montana, then they're going to rotate hemp through their, their plots uh, year over year and give that soil a little bit of relief and, and even a little re, little bit of rejuvenation. Uh, same thing with corn farmers, even potato farmers uh, so and, and soy farmers. So, I mean, we're, we're really kind of more aligned with uh, grain farming than we are with, with CBD production. No, it makes perfect sense. They're looking to add uh, hemp grain into their grain rotation of, of their existing farm operations. So fantastic. And I know that Colorado Hemp Works is bursting at the seams with the growth. I know that those oil seed presses are running, am I right when I say 24 hours a day, seven days a week, essentially, those oil presses at Colorado Hemp Works right now? Hemp seed oil? That, that's true. Yep. They, they, they never, they, they basically get up to temperature and start operating at, at their optimal efficiency and, and they don't want to be turned off. They don't want to be cooled down. Uh, they don't want to start back up. They don't want to just keep going. So um, we oblige and, and we keep them running 24 seven. It is the most exciting thing to see and to witness and to smell that beautiful nutty smell of hemp seed oil. There are no doubt some investment opportunities with all of this, um, exponential growth. If folks were interested in some of these investment opportunities, how might they get in touch with you, Matt? Well, they could always get a hold of me directly, Matt at ColoradoHempWorks.com, but we have a financial officer that I would most likely hand them off to, and um, he's, he's best suited. He's, he's handling our current round of, of funding. What I, a I great guess I would qualify, I would, I would qualify them and, 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 then, and then pass them over to Ken. Too excellent to Ken Miyoshi. Fantastic. And, um, well, just thank you uh, for being, thank you for doing, we're really talking about re-energizing the family farm. And we're talking about a transformation in human diet and in animal diets um, and a transformation. And, again, the environmental impact of, of our protein sources. So you're just doing such incredibly important work. It's such an honor uh, to know you, to be involved with what you're doing, Matt. And, and thank you so much for being uh, on with us at Hemp Errands today. I can't wait to, to have you on again. Of course. And thank you, Joe. I really appreciate the opportunity to share about what we're doing. Thanks for listening to today's show. 
To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, it's Justin Benton, host of the Miracle Plant Podcast, where we discuss this miracle plant that goes by so many names and how it's helping people in so many extraordinary ways. So if you love this plant and you want to hear a story that tugs on those heartstrings and learn more about this plant, then head on over to the Miracle Plant Podcast. You'll be glad you did. 